0: What a privilege to be part of family, and like, yes, God blows me away. Sometimes He takes a bunch of misfits, because let's be honest, that's what we are. We are all like some of you might think. I'm not. A, no, 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 no. We are a bunch of mixed matched, and God adds us together, and somehow, by His Spirit, miraculously makes us one that 's a miracle that's a bigger like, that 's a bigger miracle than people getting out of a wheelchair for me <laughs> so, so yeah God, all right let's, um maybe I don 't want to share what, what I think the Lord laid on my heart this morning. so with Enid getting uh, dedicated this morning Eden sorry <laughs> um, with Eden getting ba- uh, baptized now yes i 'm losing it now completely. Getting dedicated this morning, I felt, and with what's been happening in the life of the church. So you guys know, last week we prayed for Mark Faust, and uh, Mark is a dear friend of mine. So for those visitors who don't know, he's one of the elders in Josh Chen. And last week, uh, like, it was very much like a massive surprise to all of us, he was diagnosed with leukemia, rushed to hospital, and started chemo. And uh, he's just—I mean—he's suffering the consequences of what chemo do to your body. Uh, And obviously through the week he's deteriorated because of the chemo. And um, he's in hospital at the moment. I've spent quite a bit of time with Mark over this last week or so. He's a a good friend of mine. And I just felt the Lord speaking to me in this whole process, in this whole thing. And, um, you know, as this morning as we were dedicating uh, Eden, we've got to ask ourselves the question. Because you know that our children are going to look at us. I'm not only talking about Eden, I'm talking about all of our children, actually, as parents. And not only physical children, our spiritual children as well, in a sense. If people get saved and says, we lead people, we've got to ask ourselves the question, what are we modeling to them? What are they learning from us? Because they do. How are we building into their lives? And, um, you know, <laughs> you know, we often say, people, they catch what we got and not what we say, you know, you know that. Have you heard that saying? You know, and I think in my own, in our own uh, household, for example, we got I've got two little girls, Anya and Ella. They were jumping around here just now. Like to see how girls learn stuff from us, how they catch on. It's uh, I, Margot. Sometimes she homeschools the kids. Sorry, I just want to start this. so I don't go crazy. Um, Margot homeschools the kids, and obviously she's at home a lot with the kids, and the kids follow her around the house, and she's like stop following me, you know, <laughs> like, obviously, only is like when moms get frustrated sometimes, I mean, no one's perfect, she's like, so stop following me around the house, like, because they just like, you know, <laughs> and it's so, like, we see it exactly what we do to them, I do the same thing, actually, Anya starts doing it to Ella, she's like, Ella, stop following me around the house, man, like, she is exactly like us, I picked up even things she says, like, often we'll say something and I'll go, Really? Like, really? Like, is this apparently I've realized there's a funny tone in the way I do it? Because Onion started doing this. She goes, Really? Look, <laughs> like, where did you get that? And then I realized it was me. It's like, and Margaret says this, like, she's got this phrase. She goes, Hey, move this little guy there. Like, why don't you take this little guy inside? Like, just referring to something, like the clothes or so, I don't know, whatever. And Ella started using the same phrase. She's like, this, it was super cute. I mean, she's like four years old. And she's going, this little guy. <laughs> but it's such a picture of our kids. They do what we do, right? And it's the same with, and I want to not only speak actually to you guys, but to all of us in a sense. How do we raise our children? And how, what's the life we live that people look at, what we need to audit our lives, and look at our own lives. Um, so we've been given this gift of... Because we're going to stand accountable for our lives one day. You know that. We're going to stand before the Lord one day. Uh, and he's given us time. He's given, he's given us time on this earth. He's given us talents. He's given us treasures. And we're going to stand account for, for those things one day. And so he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So there is an element of us. We've got to work this thing out. And um, the question is this. Is Are we teaching Are we, teaching a we Firstly. Because not only we teaching, we need to be doing it. Are we seeking the kingdom first? Are we seeking the kingdom in everything we do? Um, there's this, there's this um, sense of, you know that this, the, this world we live in, it's so fleeting. It's so fleeting. It's We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. You know that? It's like That's one of the things that spending time with Mark over this last... Couple of week, or last week or so, I've realised that this is so finite, so temporal, so here today. Mike was playing ice hockey two weeks ago. Guys, he was playing ice hockey two weeks ago. He's lying in a hospital bed now. We don't know. Even little, even little Eden. He's at the beginning of his life, but his life is yet a blink in eternity. We. We, we need to hold these things in tension. We need to actually have an understanding of these things and live with a, an eternal perspective, actually. And um, I really was, you know, there's, a, there's a, a, maybe a picture or an analogy to use a friend of mine uh, um, used this story. He said, yes, now I'm going to butcher this, I think, anyway. <laughs> what did he say? So, so he tells a story like this. He says, so there was a guy who gets into an airplane, And uh, he um, sits down, gets a window seat, Uh, he's got his bag next to him, and out of his bag he pulls out a carpet, he rolls out the carpet, and uh, and then he's got like this little portable fridge that he plugs in, and he's got a picture frame that he hangs up, and he's got like some wallpaper there, and he starts wall, like, and like, if you were sitting next to somebody doing that on an airplane, you'd be like, what are you doing? Like, are you nuts? Like, like, just, I mean, just think about that for a second. Imagine somebody actually did that. You're sitting in an aeroplane next to you. And you land, like, you take off, you land, and that guy's like, no, I'm, I wanna, I've made myself comfortable here. I'm not going anywhere. That, that's, not the, that's not the destination. That's just the journey. Like, who does that? Who does that? And it's so, like, that's where we're at, actually. We're just traveling through this life. This is not our destination. Heaven is our home. We need to have an eternal perspective. There's a scripture in, um, oh, where is it quickly? It's in Hebrews. Um, so let me read it. From Hebrews eleven thirteen to 16, it says this. Now it's, uh, it's referring back to, to um, the Old Testament. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that there were strangers and exiles on the earth. Strangers and exiles like us—we're just passing through. For for people who speak thus, ma- make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. What homeland are we seeking? Heaven. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. That sen- that sentence stuck out to me. So their mind—they were, were not thinking about the land from which they had gone. They weren't thinking about their current state. They were thinking about to where they were going. If they had been dwelling on the land that they had come from, if they had been thinking about it, they would have had it in their hearts to return. And it's so much, it's like us. Do we dwell on this life, or do we dwell on what's to come, in a sense? Because this is, it's very much, it's very much that picture. You see, we get so comfortable on the journey, it's not even like, and it's not our destination. So I want to I ask this question uh, to us. Is where, like, if we've been given time, if we've been given treasures and we've been given talents, where do we, where do we store them up? Because Matthew 6 says to us, it says, Don't, Matthew 6, says, do not store up for yourself riches where moth and vermin will destroy it and where thieves break in and steal it. Now that's referring to this temporal, finite world. Don't store up treasures for yourself. Now, guys, I'm not saying, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying be foolish and just squander everything. Yes, you, you need to be a faithful steward of what's been entrusted into your care. But our, the thing is, our default is to build with hay and stubble. You know that, you know that scripture in Corinthians? It says, what, what do you, it's going to be tested one day with what you build. It's going to be hay and stubble and, and what else? Hay and stubble and wood. Or you're going to build with gold, silver, and precious stones. And so, what, is, what are we building with? Like, I've, I've preached on that before, how, like, what we, we living stones being built together. But actually, there was a, I've never seen that before. Precious stones. We're precious stones. You ever see, like, it's, it's kind of a. You, have you ever thought of that? I don't know. It's the first time I've actually thought of that. We're those precious stones that he's talking about. What are we building with? Because we've been built together. Maybe it was obvious to some of you, just for the first time, uh, something clicked in my head. But um, let me, James 4 verse 13 uh, to 5 was really, this is the scripture I've been meditating on since. uh, I heard the news about Mark and I've been spending a little bit of time with him. Um, It's really something that is, uh, Dylan actually mentioned the scripture to me. And I I just struck a nerve or a, a heartstring and I pondered on the scripture for the last two weeks. we will live and do this or that. That's a powerful scripture, eh? If the Lord wills, we will live. We will do this and we will do that. Implying that we don't know always what he wants. But we can be sure of one thing. That the Lord does well for us. And, and I want to maybe spend a little bit of time there. In that, actually. Because how what we should be doing in the life we should be living. Because we can be sure of the fact that he wills this for us. I think ultimately the Lord desires us to live, and I call it a Luke Luke 4 existence. It's Luke 4 and it's actually Isaiah 61 as well. You guys know that scripture. You know that Jesus reads, he takes out the scroll in Luke just after he's been tempted in the desert. And he reads from the scroll of Isaiah In Isaiah 61, and this is what he reads, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Guys, that's what we should be focusing on. That's what we should be living we shouldn't be focusing on the things of this world. We shouldn't be investing our time into things of finite value. This is eternal value. This is this is this is what God's looking for in us. And when we look when we live a life like that, I think we're investing eternity into our kids actually. We're investing eternity into people that we walk along with, we lead. And we inevitably we lead Am I making, is it making sense what I'm saying? Are you, are you following me? So, I, this scripture's been, actually came up I think it came up last week as well, and um, I want to maybe just break that up a little bit, because there is something of us, like, even the guys went to Jonathan Conrath last night, and there were a lot of salvations, and there's something, I'm hungry to see salvations, guys. I don't know about, I know a lot of you are there's more and I, I do feel there's something of reach of, of shifting our view from from an internal perspective to an external one actually to reaching the people to bringing them in to proclaiming the good news to proclaiming the, and then this is not the poor man on the side of the road when it says that this is poor in spirit anyone that does not have jesus and has not surrendered his life to jesus fits that category he's poor in spirit do you know that so the first line, it says, preach or proclaim the good news to the poor. Proclaim the good news to the poor. Proclaim, speak the good news, the truth to those who don't know Jesus. So it says, what is, so what's the good news? It's that God, our Father in heaven, He so loved us. Our Father in heaven so loved us that He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, fully man and fully God, Yet fully God, who walked this planet, experienced everything we experienced, everything that man experienced, he was exposed to, yet perfect and blameless, went to the cross and died for our sins. And because of him, now we can have an eternity with God. Because of him, we've been reconciled to God. That's the best news that we can ever hear. Like That is incredible because the next next line, it goes... To to proclaim liberty to the captives. You see, part of the gospel of truth is helping people realize that in Christ there is now freedom. Without Christ, freedom is impossible. So without Christ, freedom is impossible. And the next one is a recovery of sight to the blind. You see, the world and Satan has tried to convince us that we can kind of make our way there on our own steam. That's impossible. We cannot... There's, there's no amount of doing good in any way that will get us into heaven. Do you know that? Absolutely zero. You can be the best person you think you, best person possible, yet still there will be some sin in you that your nature is fallen. And that's actually, that's the blindness. You see, the world has been beguiled into thinking, oh, I can be a good person, I can kind of do this on my own, in my own strength. Lean not on your own strength. Lean not on your own understanding. This this is our role as Christians. This is our role as people, is to, to take people, to share the truth with them, and to lead them, to help them see the truth, understand these things. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, where the enemy has bound us and he's, Kept us in bondage and he's blinded us to come and break those things because Christ has set us free. It's for freedom, Christ has set us free, right? So when the truth comes, it confronts these things, it tears these things down. So we don't have to live a, a, an oppressed, captive life. It's when we understand these things, we live in Jesus. We're free from that life. We are no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Because every single one of those things is the favor of the Lord upon us. The, the new covenant that Jesus ratified, that is the favor of the Lord. We are living in the favor of the Lord. And to proclaim that, to tell people that, to let them know, it's not about, like, how successful I can be in the workplace. It's not about building my own kingdom. It's about building His kingdom. And I do understand there are things and there are ways to get to people and to reach people. But if I, and I said it again last week, if it's not focused in the kingdom or born out of the kingdom, it's illegitimate. We can't bring the kingdom into these things. These things need to, be, these things need to come out of the kingdom. It's always seek first the kingdom. He, the kingdom is the, and the rock is Jesus Christ. And that's who we build on. And we've got to keep asking ourselves a question. In this very next thing I'm going to do, is it a kingdom focused? Am I seeking the kingdom first in this thing? Because what I do, the life I live, is going to affect my children, is going to affect those around me. Am I going to lead my children to church on a Sunday? Because actually, they they may not want to. They may like it at home a little bit more. Maybe a little bit of a stretch and uncomfortable. But actually, I'm instilling a principle in their life. And at some stage, that seed's going to take root. And they're going to have an understanding of what is to belong to uh, to a body, to belong to a family, to be a participant in a family. A family's got children, young, old, moms, dads, babies. It's got everyone. Sunday, th- this is a gathering of the family. It's not just a, an event. It's a family coming together. Dad's made f- dinner. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> so I, I just, in this time of, of a bit of reflection in a sense, because, I mean, you know, when, when, when death is near, you actually begin to reflect. It's like interesting, eh? I think God uses death. And and sickness to soften people's hearts. Like I mean, I know Mark is in a great place. He's as solid as a rock. But I've seen it in people. They close. They get close to death. Something in their hearts just open. They become. They become susceptible to the gospel. They become hung, like desperately seeking in a sense. And I wonder if if that's if God actually uses that thing sometimes. It's interesting that eh? Hey? I'm not teaching that i'm just noticed that so we this week we were um we would we had a time together as elders and uh, just meeting and actually praying for you guys uh, you know we do that <laughs> we get together as elders and we pray for the congregation we pray for the church we pray for the health of the church we pray for individuals we pray for god to break into each and every single one of your lives and that you guys would reflect the kingdom and um, a word came. Actually, Margot had a word while we were while we were worshiping. And I, and I want to ask you to just come and share that word, because I think there's something. When she shares this word, I think it brings a little bit of direction, in a sense, to how we should respond. Because as I'm as I'm speaking, I hope I hope that we're auditing our own lives, going, hey, Am I living that life? Am I am I proclaiming freedom? Am I preaching the gospel, am I, am I doing those things? And I'm not saying just, not in word, in deed as well. We live that. Where, are, where is my focus? Where is my focus? We need to be asking ourselves those questions. Um, and in sharing this word, I'm hoping actually that it, it, it just it scratches something in our hearts to go, Lord, I want to recalibrate to serving you and seeking the kingdom first. I don't I know uh, maybe there's an area in your life if you've been building your own kingdom or you've been seeking your 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 will above his actually. But his will is that we would proclaim the gospel, proclaim liberty to the captives, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So is that, is that all right? Am I making, am I making sense in these things? That's, I've kind of condensed it this morning, just shortened it. Babes, so do you want to come and just share that word that you had? And then I'm going to ask us maybe just to respond to that. Because the, the Lord speaks. You know that the Lord speaks. He's still speaking. He speaks through people. And it was just a sense, um, when she shared this word, I was like, I think, I think this is bigger. This is for us as a people. Um, so go for it.
1: Yeah, so on Thursday night, we were just um, worshiping together, praying for the congregation, and I saw a picture, and I felt it was Weinberg, a picture of a bride, and Jesus calls us his bride, but I felt this was specifically Weinberg, and um, she was dressed in her wedding gown, and she, Weinberg, was so, um, she was looking down at her dress and very concerned with, oh, there's a dirty patch there, got to clean that patch, and oh, there's a crinkle there on my dress, and I've got to get myself ready. And it, it seems to be like the right thing to do. We are getting up, preparing ourselves for Jesus' return. He's our bridegroom. But in the picture, something felt wrong. It felt like she had lost sight of a lover of her soul. She has taken her eyes off Jesus, the bridegroom. And she was so concerned with what she's looking like. And I had a sense that... Um, Yeah, that the Lord would want to say to us, like, there's things in our lives that we can't change. Yes, we notice that, like, we don't like that part of us, and there's something I want to break free from. But it's it's not going to happen by your own strength. It's not going to happen with you trying so hard to be so good and so perfect and such a good Christian. And I felt the Lord say, look at me. Turn your gaze from yourself, from your circumstances, and look into my eyes. Um there's some of us that I feel like you're so, your eyes are so focused on areas in life that are not going well. And so circumstances are like, how am I going to make it through that? And how am I going to get breakthrough in that? But you've taken your eyes off Jesus. And I feel like he's saying, oh, Weinberg, turn your eyes to me. And then in the picture, I saw her looking into his eyes. And as she looked into his eyes, his eyes were filled with tears. And it was something of he's gazing beyond her. And as we looked to his eyes, we followed his gaze and we saw all of that that Ross just spoke about. We saw the poor in spirit. His heart is breaking for those people that doesn't know him. We saw the lonely. We saw the, um, the oppressed, those that are bound by Satan's lies and um, you know, the way he captures them and, like, then there's no freedom. My um, eyes followed his guys, g- gaze to the captives, um, the brokenhearted. And there's something, as we take our eyes off ourselves and we look to him, he changes our perspective and we see what he sees. Our hearts start beating for what his heart is beating for. And he actually empowers us to be his hands and feet. Um So there's a sense of him wanting to say to us, come on, partner with me. Look at me. Let's go do this together. And as you do this, you almost forget about your own stuff. And somewhere along the way, you're going to realize, oh, that wrinkle, it's gone. (laughs) That stain there, it's been washed clean. Like that circumstance that I was so worried about. God somehow just made it all work out, and I did not have to worry. And it's so cool, because the scripture that Ross was talking about, do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, in Matthew 6, the scripture after that says, the eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. And for me, it speaks of, like, what are you looking at? When you gaze at Jesus, who is the light of the world, (laughs) your whole body would be full of light. You will be in the light as he is in the light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If in the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If you're looking at yourself, if you're looking at your circumstances, your eyes aren't on him. It's almost like your eyes have gone bad. And I, I really feel like so, there's something that Jesus wants to do today where he wants to take our eyes, turn it back to him. So there's no darkness inside of us, but light inside of us. Um, and, yeah.
0: Powerful, eh? And I, I'm not going to go any further than that because I think the Lord's speaking to us as a people. Like, we don't need to try and paint a better picture. The Lord's... Speaks, we want to respond.